You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Geeks Pub Time. I'm Tim Robertson. Hey, David Cohen, all the way in the UK. What's going on, man? What's going on? It's um, changeable weather. You know, Brits, we like to talk about the weather. Yeah. So it's sweeping intense rain followed by sunshine. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah. So everything's um, starting to cool off and steamy and hot and... Well, yeah, kind of a little bit, but the thing is, you know, they in Southern Europe at the moment they've got very they've got a similar intense heat heat wave that you've got you guys have got at the moment, um, and I'm going there next week because I'm cruising, so um, it's very going to be going to be very changeable for me, and um, yeah, this climate change stuff it's no fun. No, it sucks. Um, yes, but we're not. I'm not where I live. We're not getting these intense heat waves that you know America is so big. Yeah. That it's almost, I mean, it's hard to fathom if you've never been here. If you've ever flown over the United States and just looking at the all oh, the land, you're just like, this is just a huge country. Yeah. So the southeast, southwest, and uh, the west coast are getting inundated with heat. Uh, I'm talking 110 degrees in some places, which yeah. that's Fahrenheit, of course, but just awful heat. And yeah. uh, and you know they're still the climate deniers. Oh, this is this is just how it works. Yeah, sure it is. Idiot. Sometimes it gets hot and then it gets cool, mm-hmm. and it's just like well, look. Last week, uh, just about a week ago, we had um, we've we've had a, a kind of more of a Florida light season here this year. For the last month or so, we've we've had this thing where it's hot during the day, and then at the end of the day or at the end of a couple of days, we get thunderstorms. Which I'm I'm used to because I spent a lot of time in Florida growing up, but it's not normal British weather at all. We had a thunderstorm um, just about a week ago, uh, and we had flash flooding on the roads here, which we just never get. You know, we had uh, kind of six in in, in low line depressions. There was like six inches, eight inches of water. People driving through, um, and uh, we just don't normally get that here. It's definitely new. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here in where I live, it's it's been pretty warm, but I mean it, it hasn't. I, I live in a part of the country where we get all four seasons. We get an actual spring, we get a very hot summer, we get a cool fall, and then we get blistering cold winters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that means we have fresh water in abundance here, which isn't true for the a lot of the country. So I think you know in fifty years, if America even still exists as an entity which is questionable. Um, you know, this will be the new California type of place because it's got everything. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the geeky stuff sure. that this show is dedicated to. But we're going to start with rights. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Well, um, the writers and the actors now in Hollywood, two different unions, are both on strike. And for similar reasons, money. Um, and I know it's easy for you know those people living, um, a, a, I'm going to use quotes, a regular life, to roll their eyes and go, oh, a whole bunch of Hollywood elites are arguing about money. Who cares? Well, I don't know where the elites part would come into play because I've read this a bunch of times on social media. Well, we're everyone, talking about everyone, working actors, yeah. you know. Exactly. Was, everyone thinks about the stars when they yeah. talk about elites, but that's a very small percentage yes. of the people who produce the content we enjoy. Yeah. 
think about watching a scene. You got the one main actor, or maybe two, chewing up dialogue, and in the background, there's 20 people. Well, yep. those are actors. They didn't go to NASA and record theirs, and it's just a bunch of NASA people in the background. Those are actors. Now, I was watching a video, and this guy talks about this scene he was in, and it's a television series. And he was in three or four seasons, but only a few episodes in each season. He was kind of a recurring character, never a major character. And, and he would work about two weeks for each episode that he was in. And he made on average about three grand. Yeah. Three grand for a couple weeks. Yeah. Now, I guess if you're working a minimum paid job that's making, you know, 10 bucks an hour, that may sound like a lot of money. That's nothing. Well, no, because he's not paid consistently. Right. Every couple of weeks, that three grand. He's paid when he gets a job. Yep. And those jobs are few and far between. Few and far between. And uh, not only that, while you're not working, you still need to be auditioning. Yep. So you still need to be going and pitching for jobs. Effectively, you're pitching for jobs. You still have your overheads because you need an agent to represent you. You need some sort of management company. You've got to pay you need- union dues and taxes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you've, got to, you've got to live. And at the same, and you make, you know, many people obviously have a family. So you've got effectively a, an irregular income with no guarantee. You know, because you can get unlucky for a whole number of reasons why you don't get jobs, uh, and um, which are nothing to do with you or your performance. It could just be that the uh, work you're applying for, um, you know, doesn't it the sort of work you tend to get to do. If you know these, a lot of these character actors have a look. So the the one that I would suggest is, have you ever noticed that that the kind of the heavy mafia type henchman type guys in any in any movie or tv show whether it be an action show or a law show or anything like, you always have somebody who's there to um is like a henchman to do stuff and they, they, they need to project an air of menace yeah right and those guys all tend to look the same and the reason they all look the same is because the casting directors tend to choose people with a certain look right now if you if that's your niche if that's where you you know if you don't get um, leading roles and you don't get roles in theatre or uh, Shakespeare or any of the other things you might or adverts because basically you look like you've just stepped out of a mafia out of a mafia yeah, car typecast. yeah yeah typecast or, or maybe just your look kind of lends you to that sort of roles well if those rules aren't available yeah, if all of a sudden uh, Hollywood is going th- um, is going through a thing where all the TV shows and all the movies are kind of Renaissance period pieces, then you aren't going to get a lot of work just because of you being you. Yep. So that's right? that's so, the basis of who the majority of the people on strike represent. Now, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> from basically 1970 to 2000, well. 2010. Let's use 2010. Yeah, 2010, I think, would be so, fair. So they've been paid um, a fee to come and be this character. And then if the show goes into syndication, i.e. reruns, they will get paid again, but a much, much smaller amount. I mean, some of these yeah. people, they were on you know a, a show like the one I was just mentioning, and once a year he gets a, you know, a $20 check in residual. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing. You have to do... Yeah so many of those to make any kind of significant money. But the problem is we don't live in the world of the 1970s through 2010 anymore. And syndication is not a thing anymore. Now, syndication right. would be 
Um, a studio produces a TV show. They sell um, distribution and viewing to a network. So we'll just use Geeks Pub makes a television show. We sell it to CBS and CBS runs it in prime time. They order six episodes to see how it goes. Well, the first three are, seems to be a big hit. We're making money. The advertisers lining up. They come back to us. They order the rest of the season and then season two. Yeah. So we're going to be busy for a while. And after the second season, they syndicate the show to FX Network. They're going to show it during the days for the next two years. So I'm going to get paid on that too, those residuals. Yeah. But it's not a lot of money. That doesn't exist anymore. The streaming companies have destroyed that model. So these well, people are paid yeah. at a one-time fee, and that's it forever. There is no yeah, residuals. And, and, and let's be clear here, right? The the streaming the streaming services, right? When when people say they destroyed that model, that sounds like they intentionally did something. They didn't. What they did is they had a different business model. And to be fair to them, right? Just to play popular. devil's advocate for a minute. When they were yeah, when they were first start when they were first starting out and setting these contracts, yeah, they were taking a huge risk. Yep. They were paying millions of dollars for a season of a TV show because they couldn't they couldn't do three episodes and see how it went and then order the rest. So they would have to pay for a whole season up front. So they were paying for the entire production, for everyone in it, for, for uh, you know, however many episodes there are. And they tend to be shorter seasons. Fair enough. But they would pay for that. And then they would take the show and they would put it on their network and they would see how it, how it did. And sometimes, you know, Game of Thrones, stuff like that, uh, you know, Stranger Things, they were massively successful. And, they, and the network would then order, the streaming network, would then order maybe two or three more seasons right sometimes they weren't and sometimes they would order them season at a time and then when they decided they'd had enough and the marvel series on netflix were a good example of this they just summarily said right that's it we're not we're going to make any more yeah but the problem is right is that because of the risks they were taking they weren't paying residuals for every time the thing was shown. It doesn't really work with streaming. So they're basically buying it and saying, well, okay, but the model is is that once we'll pay you for production and then the, we, we then have the rights to show that as much as we want. Now, if it were to be sold to another network, then I would imagine there would be some, some level of deal in. But the reality is, is that Netflix doesn't often or any of these streaming services, doesn't often take a show and then allow it to move to another network. And if they do, then they, I think they, the, the deal is is that the, the network owns the new seasons, but not necessarily the old seasons. And even in situations like the Marvel shows, where which were made on Netflix, yeah, Marvel retained some rights on those and they've pulled them back to Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus is not paying the actors of those shows, you know, uh, Luke, the guy played Luke Cage, um, for re-showing those rights on Disney now. Nope. Um, and, and if he did get paid, it would be a one-shot. It wouldn't be anything based on consumption. The advantage of the residual model was the more shows you did as an actor and the more those shows were streamed, that were, were, sorry, not, were syndicated, broadcast, yeah, the more you got paid. And I think there are some character actors who've never been leads but earn <coughs> not a comfortable living because of the fact that they've done so many shows over so many years and they get repeated so many times. Yep. And there are some shows that just get repeated ad infinitum, no matter how um, 
popular they might have been originally. I, I think of some of the stuff that, that I saw in the, in the States on, on syndication growing up, you know, a lot of the sitcoms would just get shown back to back during the day. And obviously those actors, because of the of the volume of rebroadcast over, uh, I, I believe residuals was, was done over um, on a station or a region basis rather than necessarily on a network basis. Um, so if you had loads and loads of uh, regional showing those shows regularly yeah you made comfortable income not enough to to you know to be rich but um the, the guys who get rich are the guys who are lead on shows that then get syndicated uh, and that's why you see a lot of the of the biggest shows that have been syndicated like for instance and, and star trek was the model that originally the the tv show that really uh, started demonstrated the syndication. Yeah. yeah start the syndication and um it was shown so much and everybody in star trek made pretty good money so much so that many many if you're if you're on a couple of these successful shows that go into syndication then effectively a, a, and you were lead so you get paid the best residuals then effectively you you make enough money that you can start being picky and choosy about what projects you do next you know and you often see these actors um, from from these bigger shows, they, you might not see them on TV for ten years because they'll go and spend ten years in the theatre because they can afford to do it because of the residuals coming in. Yep. But that's not most actors. Most actors are literally living hand to mouth and working jobs and auditioning at the same time. So it gets and worse than that. So what Hollywood had just proposed to the actors, which was summarily uh, dismissed and said no. I, was, I think this was what what and this uh, this proposal was what caused them to walk from the negotiations because yeah. I think they realized so, how bad the studios were trying to play it. Yeah, uh, they they the studios want to be able to scan an actor and for the performance that they're doing in case they have to do CGI. But then the studio owns the rights to that digital scan and can use it however they want, whenever they want with no compensation to the actor and the actor has no say in what they're using it for. Yeah. <coughs> Think of Princess Leia in Rogue One. That's what we're talking about. Now, those models are only going to get bigger and better over time. They're going to look photorealistic. Um, the voice will sound exactly the same. The character will look the same. Effectively, it's a real person acting, except the studio controls it all, and the actor gets nothing for it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people countering this have gone, oh, when the AI's overblown, it can't do that. But it, uh, it's only going to get better. Actually, and the, the reality is... is it, it, we got to stop saying AI, because this shit isn't yeah. AI. No. Call it CGI, because that's what it is. That's CGI. exactly but what it is. CGI puppetry, yeah. I mean, if you combine animator skills with CGI puppetry, then you can create... And you won't be able to create a lead actor, but you can create background characters easily. They do that all the time anyway. Anytime yep. you see one of these big battle scenes in these shows, most of the creatures you see on screen or the people you see on screen are CGI puppets driven yep. by the computer. Because the, the reality is you're focusing on the action on the uh the central action and you're not gonna most people aren't gonna notice that the guy in the background maybe is a little bit herky-jerky right or, or perhaps doesn't and it, it's an uncanny valley thing so you you know you you might be able to tell if you focused on one of these background guys that they weren't quite natural but if you've got seen with 50 of them in who's gonna see and the reality is is that the studios are not doing this because they want speed of production convenience. They're doing it for cost. They want to stop employing bodies. So go back to our article, our um, uh, theoretical heavy now, right? So we have a scene. I, I, what are we going to call it? Succession 2. Brian Cox is is reincarnated or, or resurrected, whatever. Yeah. 
and he has a couple of corporate heavies in the background who open his car door for him when he gets in and out of his limousine, right? Now, all of a sudden, yeah, you can do that without having a guy there, yeah? And the studio goes, that sounds great, because, yes, today we'd need an animator to do that in CGI, but as CGI gets better, then the computer can do that for us. But, you know, we can take a stock... We could also scan in a stock scene of somebody opening a car. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Oh, and so Something's then, playing on my computer and I have no idea what. <laughs> wow, that was it's weird. The, it's the heavies putting right. their uh, putting I had their nothing. There was nothing on my screen. Yeah. I just quit Chrome yeah, and it I'm, stopped. There um, you go. It's, um, it's yeah, worse yeah. than that, though, David. It's It's... Because the CGI's things that they're making right now aren't based on real people. In the future, that could be Tom Cruise and exactly. William Defoe opening the door for Brian Cox, who also isn't yeah. real. And no, exactly. But that's, to, they have to compensate. That's they have the point. to have a because, model that everybody yeah. makes money. Because now what they can, what they're proposing to do is they would take the face of somebody who fits the role, and they would put that over a CGI created image of the guy opening the car door. All of a sudden, they've created half of the scene without having to employ anybody or pay anybody any anything forevermore. Yep. Right? That's very, very attractive to the studios. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about the new technology that's coming along the, that's used in shows like The Mandalorian, where, you know, these massive video walls that project the background and then you put your principal in the front. Well, all of a sudden, you're slashing your production costs. Because basically you only need the minimum of your uh, production crew, the director and, and the AD and the, the camera operators and all of that. And then you need your principal. And then everything else in the background can be generated out of nothing. And as time goes on, that's going to be cheaper and easier and more realistic. Then, you know, what? all of this is fine. Is, is I think a lot of people get a lot of this on the actor side. But what, the, what stimulated the strike was the writer's strike, which the actors have now joined, and they have many of the same concerns. They are concerned that with streaming, they don't get paid as much as they used to. Yeah, the um, pay rates are, are generally in writing aren't great anyway. And, and annoyingly enough, as the volume of production has gone up, because streaming has definitely generated more production, writers have generally been paid less and less. Yeah. And then uh, quite apart from the uh, shenanigans the studios pull, such as, you know, a writer writes a draft and then somebody comes in and polishes it, as they call it in the industry, which basically comes in and does some rewriting. And then the original writer doesn't get any credit. That's right. <laughs> so they don't get paid at all for the work they did. Yeah. And then you add you add um, we're not as I say, we're not calling it AI, but you, you look at the things of chat GBT. Right. The, as that create, gets better that, it, it can create the dialogue well it yeah the point is it, it the, the problem is 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 it could create it could it's not good enough to create quality right now. it's not as good as a human writer right now right now and who knows whether it'll ever that get that good but the reality is is that first draft that then gets polished by a a, a better paid writer well it can generate that you can say, build me a scene where this happens and that happens and everything. And it can do the bare bones of that. And then the polisher comes in and basically 
turns it into something that's 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 much much better right so that means that original writer doesn't even get that first bite that first uncredited bite of the cherry he doesn't even get to say he or she doesn't even get to say well you know what i wrote the draft for this it was then polished and credited to such and such but here i can demonstrate that i wrote that and they you know that's the that could be the end to their next credited writing job they don't get that anymore because it's done by a machine so sean gunn who i believe is the brother of the director yeah he's the guy who plays um the guy with the, uh, the new guy with the mohawk always kind of new, the, the new guy with the arrow in the yeah. guardians of the galaxy yeah I forget um, his name. He did a, a it's, it's on TikTok, and I don't know how good the audio quality. Let me see. Uh, he's uh, what a shame it is. He needs to uh, remember that in 1980, um, CEOs like him made 30 times what the worker, what the lowest worker was making. Now Bob Iger makes 400 times what his low, lowest worker is, and I think that's a shame bob and maybe you should take a look in the mirror and, and what ask yourself why is that and not only why is that is it okay is it morally okay is it ethically okay that you make that much more than your lowest worker and if so why why is that okay if your response is that that's just the way business is done now that's just the way corporations work now well that sucks and that makes you a person if that's your answer so so Talking about Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, yeah. came back to rescue the company. Um, I don't know how good the audio came out in that. No, the guys no, in the it, street. It, yeah. But he's 100% right. When <laughs> when they make 400 times more than the lowest paid worker. Now, now you, right. You can uh, say, well, that's yeah. business. and but, but, okay, that is business, but is it right? Is it, is it ethically so, and morally right yeah. that you make so that, that much more money? The, the businesses would say, oh, well, you know, that's executive compensation and, and that is business, but it doesn't reflect how the rest of the company operates and everything but like they, that. But it's the same uh, people making these decisions, David. Of, this of is course, a- uh, yeah. Well, that's the first point is that, is that, you know, when you are uber rich, yeah, and you don't ever to think about money, yeah, it's very difficult for you to empathize with the guys whose decisions you're, uh, who's, who, who, well, it's not that it's difficult. They don't, and they don't. No, they well, yeah, well, so, so because I, he I just being, wants more yeah. and more and more and more and more yeah, and more. We have and the same problem in in our country at the moment. Our our uh, prime minister is actually one of the richest people in the country, um, because of he married <coughs> into a, a very rich family, and he's also very successful as well. And it shows in his some of his decisions. Um, demonstrate the fact that he's just out of touch with people who, uh, you know, really are living to paycheck to paycheck. He can't visualise it at all. And that's the same with these guys. But the other thing, I think I'm, I'm less concerned about that. People at the top of the company have always been massively overcompensated for their pseudo decisions or, or what it is. What concerns me is none of these companies are losing money. Yeah. None of them are on the brink. None of them are doing this because they... Um, you know, they have shareholders who are demanding action or anything like that. They're, they're all making money hand over fist. And the point is, despite that, they still are trying to act tough to screw over their writers and their actors. And you've heard it this week. People going, oh, well, you know, um, we can we can hold out until October, November, because then these guys are going to start losing their apartments um, because yeah, they won't have any money left. Families. Yeah, it's and, and you just you just hear that and you you just think oh, well that is disgusting because this industry would not exist without these people. It's really as simple as that. 
they would not exist without these people and every time we have these these ridiculous strikes i remember the last writer's strike yeah what what the the impact on the industry was massive because it's not about the whatever number of months it is until they get around the table and hammer out a deal yeah the impact in terms of what happens to production after that and the the you know it's like COVID, it'll be like covid again yeah there are there are things that are in production now that will never see the light of day because the studios will turn around and go oh you know it's too difficult to get everyone back together again and um you know maybe this property isn't as hot as we thought it was anyway now uh so we're just going to throw it away yeah there will be loads of that and then there'll be stuff that's delayed and there'll be stuff that's ruined because um you know they can't get the right people or or some studio decides that they're going to finish it themselves they they last time it was huge this time it's going to be even worse because it's affecting the actors as well and it's it's just stupid because we're talking about an industry yeah that knows how to do this deal you know what they came back they dropped the ai stuff and they just came back and said you know what we're going to pay some level of residuals for uh, streaming just in the same way that spotify does for music streaming no bullshit. even if it's no even bullshit. if it even no. if it's a derisory amount of money no you know what they could come to some sort of agreement no. but at the moment the studios are just going no we won't do it at all so i just watched an interview with snoop dogg of all people all right okay yes philosopher our generation funnily enough don't know how that happened but there you go and he said uh somebody asking him about this white writer strike and how they're getting paid and he basically said he doesn't really know anything about that but what he does know and he does understand is when it comes to residuals and stuff he said <coughs> how is it that his music is streamed a hundred million times on spotify and he makes about three dollars how is that possible where's the money at and he's got a point it's the same argument that actors are getting for residuals you can't ask artists look you and i can't create a rap song and be popular yeah you and i um maybe we could act who knows but we're never going to be tom cruise right we can't so let's just say we're not actors yeah and neither are the ceos of these companies but they're the ones that seem to be make all the money they pretend that they're the ones that are taking the big risks yeah where's the money well, the people that are actually creating it are going to stop creating it. And then what are you going to sell? Well, then what are you going to do? Yeah, what they're counting on is the idea that the people who who are creating it will run out of money and will come back to the table and go and take whatever deal that's offered. You know right? Ron Perlman, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he played Hellboy, played you anybody he was uh, the beast in Beauty and the Beast the TV show from the 90s. Yep. Any anybody who um might not be familiar with the name if you saw him you'd go oh that guy (laughs) big he looks he kind of does kind of look like um uh like a like a bigfoot made made man he's he's a cool dude so yeah he is so um language coming up people just so you know if you don't hear a, a bad word don't listen this is what he said and this was an interview. This was him on TikTok or one of the things. And I actually saw it live, but I'm going to read it because I've got it in front of me. And he's going right at Bob Iger. The motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments? Listen to me, motherfucker. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. 
Some of it is financial. Some of it is karma. And some of it is figuring out who the fuck said that. And we knew who said that and where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people? You wish that on, You wish that families starve while you're making 27 fucking million a year for creating nothing? Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful, because mm. that's the kind of shit that stirs shit up. Yeah, absolutely. Right above us is a guy that says Bob Iger squandered ninety nine percent of the goodwill the mouse got by standing up to DeSantis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, look again. We, we this is the Elon Musk um, Reddit CEO playbook, which is you know act tough, act like you know we're the vic- the the big multi billion dollar corporation with multi million dollar compensated heads going. Oh, we're the victim here. You know, it's so difficult. People don't understand how COVID and streaming and everything has affected our business. And it's just like, come on, man, come on. And, you know, it, it yeah, it will come home to roost. I, I think a lot of the stuff that is going on in the world at the moment, you know, those birds will come home to roost at some point, one way or the other. I'm not advocating violence on anybody. Yeah. But you, you go out of your way in public to you say threaten such people's families? inflammatory things, yeah. All it takes is, is one person to decide. You know what? I'm going to take direct action. If yeah? someone and threaten, then you... directly threatened my family with financial ruin, you better hope I don't fucking see you. I'm yeah. not even kidding. I, you yeah. better hope I don't see you because I will whoop your ass. They're relying on the fact that many of the people in the creative industries would, won't want to leave and go out and get other jobs. Right? Yeah, of course or they can't are. get other jobs. You know what? But the problem is, the longer these strikes go on, the 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 we we saw this during COVID. Yeah, we there were people who were furloughed or um, lost their jobs. Yeah, in lousy industries that paid badly. You know, restaurant serving, chefing, yeah, working at airports. <laughs> you know, basically a lot of the low paid crap menial jobs. Yeah, that many people do. And it's certainly, I don't know what it's like in the States, but certainly in this country, a lot of people said, you know what, I'm going to go and do something else. And uh, I might get the same lousy pay, but I don't have to put up with being shouted at and the crappy working conditions I was putting up there. So a lot of them went and worked to re- move to retail or to supermarkets or various other different things or started their own businesses and are much, much happier. And now we have a problem in the UK where these industries are crying out for staff because they can't get decent staff. Yeah, they say, well, yeah? well we they can't get experienced staff. wants to work. Well, it's yeah. not that they don't want to work. They don't want to work for you. They don't want to work you. for you. <laughs> Exactly. There's a big difference. Yeah, and and I think the risk that the um, the the risk that the move the uh, motion picture and the uh, TV industries is taking at the moment is they're playing Russian roulette, and that is the bullet in the chamber because they may just find the the whole industry streaming and everything is predicated on generating content, and if you can't generate content, first of all, that makes this whole strike um, incredibly stupid. Because all the streaming companies must be going, well, now all this production stuff, we've got schedules to fill. Otherwise, people won't pay for our services anymore. Yeah, big right? thing that, that came can't... up this week was Deadpool 3 stopped filming. Well, yeah, duh. Of course it did. <laughs> yeah. Everything stopped filming. There is nothing filming in Hollywood at the no. moment. The, the chat shows are still going without any jokes because there's no writers. Yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, anything that involves writers and actors is not in production at the moment. Well, you know what? I don't think Netflix can sustain that for as long as they as uh, Bob Iger thinks they can, because otherwise, 
as I say, a year, two years down the line, all of a sudden they're going to have no content because uh, nothing was made and it takes time to generate this stuff out. Yeah, so people are going to leave. Quite apart from the number of people who are leaving the streaming services now as a point of principle because they object to the to some of these statements, you know. But so uh, the, uh, all of this, all of this stuff is a huge risk, a huge gamble. And to me, I don't understand it. I don't understand why the these industries that make a lot of money can't turn round to their actors and writers and say, "Look, okay, right." You're not you're not happy with what you're being paid. Um, let's talk about that and let's come up with a formula that works for everybody. What do you mean you can't understand that? It's very simple. These are greedy right. motherfuckers. Well, yeah, now, what, it, it's I, hard I, for you and I maybe to understand. I'm that speaking level rhetorically. I know you are. No, but yeah, that's no, what but, it is. It's, yeah, it's a I, greed on a level, and it's let's be honest. This isn't just Hollywood here. No, it's, it's just not the music companies. It's it's businesses, and you and I had a discussion off the air about something very similar yeah the people who are in charge only want to make more 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 and if they can screw over a couple employees to make more they'll do it yeah but it's screwing it's by screwing over the employees like that you are putting your entire business but you're not according to the history of capitalism you're not because you're going to have another sucker that needs a job that you can pay $5 an hour more to than the last guy who will come in and do it until you screw him over. Yeah, but the, the problem is is we are talking about a creative industry where basically if the people doing the job suck, everybody who's consuming the product can see it. Yeah, and we're also talking about industry when it comes to streaming where basically the quality of the product derives the income of the company offering the product. Because if you turn on Netflix and everything on there is either reality shows, which are cheap to make and don't require a lot of writers and actors, yeah, or stuff that um, stuff that's been made uh, outside of your area. I know Netflix has, you know, shows a lot of foreign stuff with uh, subtitles and things like that that's made overseas. Yeah, but if that's all it is because you have no original content and the stuff you have is terrible because you you allowed all your experienced actors and writers to walk away and you've replaced them with newbies. Yeah, then people aren't going to pay. They're not going to pay the ten, fifteen dollars a month, whatever it is, and we know that's going up and up and up. You know, and Disney in particular, Disney Plus is a huge success only because of the brands they have on it. It, as we've talked previously, it's not about the overall quality. And we know that Disney Plus is is effectively is a big uh, money sucker. But that's one of the reasons the previous guy left or was pushed out because he wasn't able to make Disney Plus Disney Plus into the jewel that, that Disney thinks it should be. Yeah. And so Iger's now trying to do it again by by slashing the costs rather than making the product better and fixing the business model. You know, I don't. I, again, I just don't. I don't. I well, I, I do notionally understand where you're rich and you're arrogant and you think you know better than everyone else. You make stupid decisions, but I just can't understand how this keeps happening over and over again in corporations across the world. Yeah, because these guys are meant to be the cream of business, and they're not. They're the schmucks of business. Well, okay. We'll see what happens. I mean, schmucks of business. Yeah, schmucks for business. Yeah. Um, I I feel sorry for the actors and the writers. You know, when your passion is creating content, 
by creating dot 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 your yeah. creator the and then thought get- of getting a job somewhere else in a different industry you don't want to do it that's not your passion but what's funny well, is how many times have you seen interviews with who are they now actors who became a teacher and they say i'm so much happier yeah you know yeah i think it's going to be um we'll see we'll see how strong these unions are can they can they i don't have a lot of confidence i'll be i'll be honest i don't think the unions are going to win this thing i really don't because i don't think that the ceos of these big companies have any kind of ethics or morality They've sold well, themselves out yeah. for simple dollars. I think I think people need to get creative, and I'm not advocating going and burning down Bob Iger's house by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the uh, the people involved in the strike need to get much more creative about getting this into the public consciousness and really tying it to what you pay for Netflix. Yep. I mean, really, you know, or Disney Plus or whatever it is. You know, I think you really rather than you know, everyone's making very, uh, you know, uh, statements at the moment, either inflammatory or direct or anything like that. I, I actually think that tying it to the AI thing is a mistake, even though that's an important problem. But I, I think talking about that in public undermines their argument um, because I think a lot of people just uh, just listen to that and just go, oh, another bastard complaining about ai right i don't i don't think i don't think that resonates with people but i think saying we don't get paid for the work we do it resonates with people because everyone can identify with that everyone can can identify with turning up and we've all done it we've all done it where we you know we've turned we've turned up on a saturday or we've uh you know when we're not supposed to or we've stayed up late doing a piece of work because some guy above us has decided that it has to be done by a certain time and you look at the amount of time you put in uh and then you realize you didn't you effectively didn't get paid for it we've all done it when we've gone and asked for a raise or for a bonus on the basis of you know x y and z and we put that argument over to our bosses and they go turn around and go uh yeah we can't afford to do that right now we've all been through that and this is that same thing writ large for the creative industry and i think they need to be saying that and they think they need to be putting out there and then should be using their skills as actors and writers to actually create content that demonstrates that and put that out in the public domain it's never been easier to get in front of people you can get in front of them on tiktok on uh youtube on um you know all on podcasts on all of these different things and i think what they need to do is get in front of people not with statements and rants and uh, you know, oh, I, we, you know, we we think this is terrible. I think they need to be doing more creatively that than that, so that the customers of these streaming companies realise what's going on and actually uh, <coughs> take their side. And I don't well, think you do I that think, with standing standing up in the street and saying this is terrible. No, it does. Be, no, it it absolutely does work. But yeah. the wrong people are doing it, and that's because yeah. the people at the top tier of the acting community aren't standing up for the rest of the actors. They'll walk out. And they'll make, you know, uh, their publicist will send out a a thing to the media. Well, so-and-so believes, you know. Yeah. But they're not the ones going on the talk shows. I'd like to see the, yeah, I'd like to see the top 50 movie and TV actors in in different genres getting together and say, right, well, we're going to take 
some of our money and we're going to use that to pay people through the strikes so yeah. they can keep their houses. Yeah, good luck with right? that. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that, that's if, if you really are passionate and you've. And well, you've got I don't think they are really... because they made theirs. Well, yeah, but if you, I'm, I'm sorry. If, I, I believe if you made twenty million dollars on your last movie, then you should give some of that back. And in fact, you know, if you made twenty million dollars on your last movie, maybe you should give all of that back to the community that brought that brought you up. Otherwise, there will be no next Tom Cruise. There will be no next um, Jennifer Lawrence. Or, I agree with you in principle, you know, but for the realist in me says zero chance of that happening. Yeah, I know, but but I, I again, the, I think the union should be driving this they should be hammering on doors they should treat it like a political campaign i think the biggest stars should make a psa type of video every single day rotating who they are and why this Uh, is important and and posting it on youtube but not just you know matt damon reading a, a a speech no as i say i think they need to be more creative than that i think they need to you know do a do a drama about what it's like to actually live through one of these strikes and how little you get paid, yep. right? And put that, that out on YouTube. Yeah, that would not only that that would that would bring the public on side, and that's what you've got to do here. Is you've got to move the needle away from the uh, executives at the studios to the public. Yeah, because if the public gets behind this, and then the public starts saying to people. Oh, I'm going to cancel my Netflix subscription. In the little box that says, why are you cancelling? They say, because you sh- you treat your writers and actors like shit. Yeah? Then uh, people will start noticing, and maybe the tone in the industry will change. Yeah, the only thing that's going uh-huh. to get their attention and make any change is money. Money. Yeah, yep. exactly. So let's move you know. on. Um, one of the things that you said that you started reading, starting to get back into digital comic books. Yeah. And so I- that was funny to me because um, Cole's doing the same thing right now. Yeah, so I um, I'm going on a, a trip next week for a couple of weeks, and um, normally I take a whole load of books with me, and I will do that again. And I take a whole load of content. I recently um, is this recently your covation? But uh, yeah, this is this is yeah this is the I, I get two weeks off. Yeah, uh, I call it covation. Co- yeah, and then I get half two COVID, weeks, half two week, yeah, two weeks extra off because I got COVID yeah. on the way back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm going to need to consume a lot of content. And, you know, I filled my tablet with uh, movies and TV shows and <coughs> stuff I want to catch up on watching that I've missed and that sort of thing and my books and everything. But I did think to myself, you know what? I really want to read some comics. And I obviously you can't take loads and loads of comics with you when you go away on a ship. So uh, digital comics was the way, way I decided to go. Um, and now I have... Um, through a recent purchase on Amazon, I have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, and I was pleasantly surprised to find there's quite a lot of um, decent comics on Kindle Unlimited, which yeah. means you, you kind of borrow them; you don't have to pay for them. Um, they have a lot of the uh, graphic novel collections of some of the big stories uh, around some of the big characters, so I grabbed some of those. And I have to say, the reading experience on Kindle for comics is excellent. I've been doing it bought- on the iPad, well, since yeah. pretty much the iPad came out. Yeah, and that's what Cole wants. To, he's really into Spider-Man, more specifically yep. Miles Morales. Uh-huh. And you know, I read. I, they're in the basement somewhere, the physical copies. But um, it would take me too long to f- find them all and put them in order, and I'm not doing that. Um, he he expressed interest in in reading these, and he has one of my old iPads. It's literally been unplugged, sitting up in his bedroom for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I've got that plugged in right now. And it's taking forever to charge. Taking forever. Right. 
And this is the 30-pin connection. This isn't even a more modern one. Oh, wow. That is old. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, because I've been talking about upgrading my iPad itself, because I've got an iPad Pro, the 10-inch one. Yeah. Um, it's about three, four years old now. So I've been mm-hmm. thinking about upgrading a new iPad myself and giving him this one. But he wants yeah. to read digital comics and wants to know which Spider-Man comics to read. And I told him, I said, all the stuff that you're really into really came out of the Ultimate Universe. And he's yeah. like, well, what's that? And I said, well, um, 20 years ago, Marvel decided it's really hard to get new readers into their existing comics. I mean, if you pick up an issue of Spider-Man, it's in the middle of a story, and it always is. Uh, there's 50 years worth of stories you don't know. Yeah. They may mention something, and they do a call out at the bottom of the panel, like this was issue 250, which you find out was in 1976. There's so yeah. much history that it's it's daunting for a new reader. So they thought, we're going to create, recreate the Marvel Universe. has nothing to do with the, the main characters, if you will, in the main Marvel Universe. We're going to recreate them here so it's easily accessible to new readers. Great concept. Yeah. And in my humble opinion, the very best of the best was Ultimate Spider-Man, where Peter Parker right. is in high school and become Spider-Man. It was brilliantly written by uh, Michael Bendis. Uh, Mark Bagley was the original. He's a really good artist. Um, and it was so good. The stories were captivating. The characters were spot on. Um, in fact, the new Spider-Man, when you see him, he's more based on that character, not the original 1960 yeah. Spider-Man. And it's I, such I a good the, series. Yeah. The advantage of the Ultimates was that they could pick and choose from the continuity what they wanted to keep and yep. what they wanted to change. Uh, and you're, right, you're absolutely right. It made for a much cleaner set of stories. Um, and, then we, you know, there was there was good stuff in there in terms of, like, you know, sometimes they would suggest that the, uh, you know, the established canon for how a character came to be might be different or it might be a lie, you know, might be a, a fake. Um, and Captain all that America sort of was stuff more would, of a hard case. Exactly. Soldier. Yeah. He wasn't. They thought the American flag yeah, eagle on his they, arm. Yeah, they thought Thor might be um might yeah might be faking it all and wasn't yeah. really a god and all of this sort of stuff. It was really really cleverly done. Yep. Um. And yeah, Stark and, was kind of a prick. Yeah. Well, no change there. But no. I mean, he was he was much. You, you're right. He was much more of. He was much more like um Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal. In the very first Iron Man in, movie. In the original comics, he became a prick, but he yes. wasn't really a prick. Whereas in the Ultimates, he was... He was always he a was, prick. Yeah, he was always a prick, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really well done. And um, you're absolutely right. Very, very much more accessible. Um, and, and the advantage of going to something like um, Kindle Unlimited, where you're getting these graphic novels, is they've been curated... So yep. you 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 can jump. I mean, I, I yeah, I started rereading um, all the uh, you know some of the great. You know, I'm a big fan of Green Lantern, so sure. I'm I'm, re- I'm rereading the uh, Jeff Johns started storyline. So starting with Rebirth, yeah, and then going through to Sinestro Corps Wars, and then now I'm on to um, uh, Blackest Night, and I'll do Brightest Day afterwards. I'm rereading those, but the thing is, is I'm able to reread them without looking at all of it. And, and all the side issues and everything which popped up from now and again they've all been put in the right order so you, it actually makes a, a lot less it's a lot less hard to follow all the various different parts of the story and I'm enjoying it for that reason so Cole wants to read this and I took because he most of his questions about Miles Morales and I said well he's in the Marvel Universe proper now because they did away with 
um, the the alternate, you know, ultimate line. Yeah. But it's still the same character, and he's one of the only characters that know that this wasn't where he's originally from. They never touch about talk about it much, but he knows. And I said, what you need to do is read the original Ultimate Spider-Man, which leads into Miles Morales and how he co- becomes a character. And um, at the time when that was made, there was some controversy from racist assholes who was like, oh, yeah. he's half black and half Hispanic. This isn't who Spider-Man is. Um <laughs> And and Bendis did that on purpose, you know. And of I, yeah. I, and I had I was like, okay, yeah, I, I want my Spider Man. I want the Spider Man I've known forever. And then Miles Morales came out, and it was just brilliant. It was so good. It was everything I liked about the Peter Parker Spider Man, but in totally different circumstances. This is definitely a different character, and the way Bendis created him was just spot on. I mean, was it as good? Yes. Is it better? I don't know. It's just a continuation of what had been before. Um, and well, it's brilliant. I, I, and Cole's interested. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I don't care if it's, you know, Lord of the Rings trilogy hardback or it's comic books. If he wants to read, I'm going to encourage that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, look at look at where we are now in the creative space. I mean, comic books have <coughs> finally moved out of the thing of being, uh, you know, a nerdy well, kid. It's the thing. most popular it's something that's mainstream, stories you know? of all time now. And. And what to say about Miles Morales for all the idiots who said, oh, you can't do that, is that without Miles Morales, we would not have the best Spider-Man movies ever made. 100%. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> you know, the two I mean, later Spider-Man, oh, you know, the, the, they're the so animated, good. yeah, so the, good. Into the Spider-Verse. Just um, amazing movies. You know. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to maybe look into that. Um, so what the other thing I wanted to mention is that... Um, Obviously, if you're using Amazon, and there are various, yeah, I mean, they had, they they bought um, what's it, what's it called? The the one of the big kind of comic streaming services. Amazon bought it and incorporated it many years ago now. Obviously, you can go to DC Marvel, and they have their own unlimited services if you want to, if you want to access those. The problem I find with their services is that you don't get quite the same level of curation they just give you everything and expect you to figure it all out which is fine for some people but not if you're more of a casual comic book reader but what i found is that um you know there are plenty of comics out there that are available in various different formats you can download them if you want to um some of them are legal some of them are not um but there's a standardized format for that and there are readers for those and those are pretty good as well if you want to find something that's not available from the mainstream services yep. so the ones i use are there's one on the ipad i use called chunky that's uh it, the interface isn't very nice but it, it works pretty well and similarly on my uh my uh android tablet which is actually a kindle fire tablet i use one called comic vision that's um that's also pretty good again ugly as hell but it does the job, and all all of these programs will let you download stuff directly off the web if you can find it, or load them in manually, and it will go out and it will figure out all the um, names and the the covers and all of that, so you get a nice interface, so you can actually read through the comics if uh, if that's what you want to do, uh, and it's very good. Yep, very very good. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Geeks Pub. Um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks with David going on uh, his covation and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be back, though. Uh, David, as always, pleasure to talk to you. See you soon. See you soon. Take care.